Pillar 2. Changing the GPS. Childhood Memory Transformation, or CMT. Chapter 3. In 200 Yards Make a U-Turn. If you wanted to drive from the city to the beach and you knew how to drive, but your GPS was still set for the city, every time you started heading toward the beach, your GPS would guide you back to the city. Change those GPS coordinates to match the beach location and you'll be automatically guided to that destination. The references from childhood experiences that prove who we are and how the world works are the GPS coordinates the unconscious part of the brain is currently using. Change those references, the evidence that proves I'm not good enough, for example, and the beliefs Patterns, unconscious behaviors, choices, and experiences change automatically. Our first experiences create the filters through which all new experiences must pass. Dr. Bruce Perry. Another way to think of childhood memories is as the roots of plants. Imagine your life as a garden. The things you'd like to change are the weeds. Addressing the events, circumstances, and even beliefs you can see now as an adult is like cutting off the leaves and branches and even the stem of a weed. It's okay, and for a while you won't see the weed, but naturally that weed will grow back because the roots are still in place. In order to end up with the flowers you want instead of the weeds, you have to take the roots of those weeds out and replace them with the seeds of the flowers you want to see in your garden. And then, of course, water those flowers until they're able to survive on their own. In other words, you need to change the negative childhood memories, removing the roots of the weeds, to the opposite, positive and empowering, planting the seeds of the flowers you want, and play those new memories in your mind until they're established, watering those flowers until they're able to survive on their own. One of our clients, Debbie, had tried everything to change her compulsion to please others. She knew that she was a people pleaser, and she recognized the behaviors and choices that led to her feeling resentful and taken advantage of. But no matter how hard she tried to change those choices and behaviors, she kept finding herself in the same situations. She'd try to create boundaries, but over and over she'd still agree to do things she didn't want to do and would feel a constant underlying anxiety that people would be angry with her. And the worst thing was, no matter how much she tried to please others, her anxiety remained. In the background, Debbie's brain was referring to the implicit memories from her childhood of her parents who were constantly stressed and dealing with financial struggles. Debbie had spent her childhood trying to make her parents feel better, trying to make them okay. But of course, making her parents feel better was not within that little girl's power. As an adult, her brain still referred to the evidence that proved her self-image and worldview. Who she is, or her role, is to try to make other people feel better, and they never do. That's what life is. That's normal. Those were the GPS coordinates her brain was accustomed to referring to and keeping her in alignment with. Once she changed those childhood memories to the opposite positive and empowering, which we'll discuss in Chapter 5, her drive to please others automatically 
naturally and authentically disappeared. Once she replaced those childhood memories with memories of her parents being relaxed, safe, kind, compassionate, happy, fun, and abundant, her people-pleasing tendency was automatically replaced with authentic kindness and compassion that came out of a strong, secure, loving self-image and worldview. She no longer needed to set boundaries because when someone asked her to do something she didn't want to do, her brain now referred to those new memories that proved she was safe and loved. As a result, her natural, automatic, unconscious response in this situation was to say no in a kind, compassionate way that set the boundary while still enabling her to feel secure, safe, and confident within herself. Now she doesn't believe she's loved, worthy, and safe. She knows it. In Chapter 5, we'll take you through a step-by-step -step process of exactly how to identify and then change your own negative childhood memories to achieve the changes you want in your life. First, though, it's important that you have a foundation of the concepts. As Debbie tried to stop being a people-pleaser by setting more boundaries, changing the way she spoke to people, or even avoiding people altogether, at first, her brain would search for another way to experience the feeling of needing to please. She would often find herself in another situation where she would have the same feelings. Despite her conscious efforts, she would unconsciously find a different relationship or different work situation to keep repeating the pattern of needing to please. However, once she changed those childhood memories of trying to make her parents happy, she automatically and unconsciously began to make different choices and was naturally and authentically able to maintain healthy personal boundaries. Whatever a person is dealing with, the answer is always to change the roots, the implicit childhood memories that support that person's experience. For example, if you wanted to change the experience of feeling trapped in a job by leaving the job, in other words, cutting off what you can see of the weed, you would eventually find yourself back in a similar situation. For example, being in another job you didn't enjoy, or feeling trapped in a relationship, or finding yourself in a difficult situation with a neighbor, with financial struggles, or suffering from a physical condition. In every moment, the brain is processing information from external stimuli and comparing it to the references it has stored from previous experiences in order to know how to react and respond. Most of us think of childhood as over, something that happened in the past, something that no longer has a direct impact on our lives. However, consider the following. You see a mirror. How do you know that what you're looking at is a mirror? How do you know that what you're seeing in it is your reflection? How do you know it's not dangerous? How do you feel when you see a mirror? Do you like mirrors? Do you feel resistance to looking in mirrors or have some other emotion? Can you recall when you learned about mirrors? Can you recall how you learned that you like or dislike looking in a mirror? Unless something significant happened that created a link in your brain between mirrors and an emotional event, you probably can't remember when you originally learned what a mirror is and how to respond to it. It's automatic. And it's what's known in psychology as implicit memory. Implicit memory is how we respond automatically to experiences. 
It's why we don't have to consciously think everything through before choosing a reaction. It's also why someone can push our buttons. It's why we feel triggered. Remember Alice's recurring pattern of being attracted to emotionally unavailable men? As we taught her the techniques for finding and changing negative childhood memories, Alice discovered a link between her choices in relationships as an adult and her experiences of being neglected by both parents as a child. Her parents were constantly stressed, ambitious in their careers, and had a busy social life. They hadn't planned to have children. Alice was an accident and was treated that way throughout her childhood. She wasn't physically abused or neglected, and there was nothing she could pinpoint in her parents' behavior that was actively negative. They just didn't show her affection. They made sure she was fed, clothed, and educated. But being fully focused on their own careers and social lives, they paid no more attention to her than was necessary to keep her physically safe. The result was that the unconscious part of Alice's brain created implicit memories of those experiences that in turn provided the structure of her self-image and worldview of I'm not important and I'm unlovable. Memories of desperately wanting her parents' love, attention, affection and approval but being sidelined and dismissed were stored in her brain as proof that she was unlovable and that other people and material things were always more important than her. Childhood experiences of watching her parents laughing and connecting with others, but seeming to look right through her, reinforced that self-image and worldview as she grew up. In her interactions with other children and adults, everything Alice experienced was automatically filtered through that self-image and worldview. And of course she responded according to those filtered experiences, not according to objective reality. When a child in her class invited her to sit with a group of friends during lunch, the unconscious part of Alice's brain referred to the evidence from earlier childhood experiences that proved she was unworthy and unlovable. And it automatically triggered stress chemicals that caused feelings of anxiousness, self-doubt, and mistrust. So she declined the invitation and chose to sit alone, which felt safer. That choice was seen by the group of girls as a rejection and weird, and it wasn't long before Alice, unintentionally and unconsciously, stepped into the role of outsider and loner. She no longer received invitations for lunchtime company. Neither was she invited to birthday parties, and she was the last to be picked for any team activities. Not only was every experience filtered through her existing self-image and worldview of I'm not important and I'm unworthy, but every such experience also added further evidence that continued to prove that self-image and worldview. Her life became a constant cycle of unconscious choices based on previous experience and new experiences proving that those choices were justified. The momentum of that cycle had created who Alice was as an adult and her reality. In every moment, the unconscious part of her brain was referring to the fact that she was unimportant and unloved and that no one cared about her. 
This played out in two main ways. One, whenever she met someone, the unconscious part of her brain that scans micro-expressions, gestures, and tone of voice, comparing them to implicit memories to determine how to respond, would discount anything that didn't fit into her self-image and worldview. Anyone who was attentive was unattractive to her. Equally, anyone who showed unconscious signs of fitting into the pattern of being emotionally unavailable was considered perfect. 2. When someone didn't reply to her because they were distracted or busy or even if they were unable to respond because they didn't receive the message, Alice's brain would refer to the fact that she was unimportant and unlovable, which would then automatically trigger the stress chemicals that created feelings of emotional pain and hurt. Those feelings triggered matching thoughts, and the neural connections of those thoughts triggered yet more of those stress chemicals. It makes no logical sense. Remember that the unconscious part of the brain has no ability to use logic or reason. No matter how much you may hate being in the city and want to be at the beach, if the coordinates in your GPS are still set for the city, the GPS cannot reason that it needs to guide you to the beach instead. It will simply guide you according to the coordinates that are currently set. In the same way, no matter how much you don't want to experience pain, rejection, financial struggle, or despair, if those are the only references the unconscious part of your brain has to draw on, it will automatically keep bringing you back to that state. Recap. Implicit or unconscious childhood memories determine our self-image and worldview. The unconscious part of the brain can't tell the difference between reality and imagination can't use logic or reason in the way the conscious mind does and can't judge something as unrealistic. Childhood memories are the GPS coordinates that determine your destination automatically. Whatever you're experiencing in your life now is because of the references from childhood experiences that the unconscious part of your brain refers to. Change those childhood memories and you change your experiences automatically. But can memories really be changed?